Lord Jesus, when we look back into history and read the books and the annals that record the times that have gone. There are many names in history, but there is only one name in eternity. Your name, high and lifted up. Lord, we thank you. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in eternity, all attention is given over to you of angels, of all of the throng of hosts of people there. And we thank you that in heaven and on the earth and even under the earth, every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess your name will be on every tongue, even under the earth. And every devil of hell and even the devil himself will one day say, Jesus is Lord. Oh, we thank you to the glory of the Father. We thank you, Jesus. You are Lord. And we praise you today for being our Lord and our Savior, the love of our lives. Amen. Before you sit down, come on, let's applaud him. Let's praise him. Let's give him a shout that's worthy of his name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Fantastic. Are you ready for God's word this morning? absolutely wonderful. Well, it is a great pleasure this morning for us to have Pastor Dale, Allison, Nathan, Josh, I'm sure is around here somewhere, and Josh Moon with us. I tell you now, what a great blessing they are to us as a family. You know, for many years, Pastor Dale uh, and Allison served here in ministry, and um, they pastor now in Blackwood, But I tell you now, Dale's a wonderful preacher. He's a wonderful... Wouldn't it be great if Dale got up here one day in the future and started preaching again? Come on, Dale. I'm telling you, man. There's wine in that man. Wine. The best wine God puts on his table. So who knows what the future holds? But we're going to be blessed one day by the ministry of that man from this pulpit And uh, who knows when that will be? You never know. Well, that's exciting. But you know, wonderful things are happening. And uh, we were in Connect Group. Faye said we were in Connect Group on Thursday night. And, uh, you know, we took the family there. We went to Lee and Claire's home, and it was fun. The kids were there. It was perfect. We started at uh, 6 o'clock. I mean, they had a house full of kids. They were upstairs, downstairs, in the cupboards, out of the cupboards, everywhere there was kids. But you know, it was, it was just a wonderful time. The adults at one point were watching Frozen in 3D. I didn't realize you could actually watch Frozen in free, 3D. And there were creatures and things jumping out of the TV. And the kids, I'm sure, were reading the Bible and praying upstairs while the adults were watching Frozen downstairs. But you know, this year again, what we want to do as a family, as a church, is just emphasize the importance of coming together. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling together. Don't forsake the gathering together 
of believers. Why? Because when we come together of like mind, when we have like mind and and the same uh, mission and the same journey and the same desire to follow Jesus, there's encouragement and there's strength. So whenever you get an opportunity to be together, I want to encourage you to do that. James and Tony were up in the Celtic Manor with some guys on Monday night. They had a great time. It was an opportunity for men to come together. I know the ladies are doing stuff as well, but any opportunity that we get to come together, that's a great thing. That's a blessed thing, especially in the times that we're living in, especially when sometimes, you know, the enemy can try and single us out and isolate us and pick us off We want to come together. We want to use those opportunities. So whether it's in a connect group, whether it's in, you know, the various things that we have happening in the church, try and make it. I know life is busy, but try and make it in your your busy schedule. Try and make it to, to these things and these functions that we're having together because we find strength there. Amen. Last week, we began to look at just the blessedness of being in God's house. We are in his house. This is our spiritual home. The, this is the place where we have put down our roots. We looked from Ephesians chapter 2 and we saw where Jesus came to us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And God, God's initiative was to get to us. It wasn't our initiative to get to God. We were dead. We were far away. We were strangers. We were foreigners from the promises of God, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2. But God used his own initiative, his own energy in Christ to get to us. And he came into that lowly place of death where we all were. And it says that he raised us up together with Christ, not under Christ, but beside Christ. It would have been great, I said, to just, you know, be beneath Christ. That would have been a high position from where we came. But no, God is, he does the unimaginable, he does the unthinkable, and he doesn't just lift us beneath Christ from that place of death, from that place of sin. He actually lifts us to be beside Christ because Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are seated in heavenly places, not below Christ, but in Christ and with Christ and beside Christ. It's amazing grace that saved us. It's amazing grace that was extended to us. It's unimaginable. It's unfathomable. But God's done it. He's awesome. He's off the chart. You'll never find anybody like Jesus in the way that he treats you, in the way that he lifts you, from the lowest points of life and he takes you to the highest point as soon as he comes into your heart and into your life there's a wonderful transformation that takes place and Paul describes that in Ephesians 2 but it it wasn't just about lifting us from sin and lifting us from death and seating us in him in a heavenly home Paul is moving through that chapter with a purpose and he's moving through that chapter with a revelation to tell us that God has brought us into his household we are, we are the house of God we are the household of God we are the home of God we said there's no place there is no place like home There is no place like the house of God. There is no place of blessing like God's home on earth, his church. 
It's what Jesus is building. It's his purpose. It's his kingdom. It's where his blessing flows. And that's why the Hebrew writer tells us not to forsake the assembling together of the saints because there's blessing there and there's healing there and there's strength there. Now this morning, I want us to uh, read from Psalm 92 just in a few moments. And this psalm and the verses that we're going to refer to speak about our future. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about our future. We don't have to go to a crystal ball. We don't have to look at some tarot card. We don't have to, you know, read the horoscope predictions about our future. The Bible has a lot to say regarding our future. And it's clear and it's certain and it is absolute. When it comes to your future, it's not 50-50 chance as to whether it happens or not. God speaks with clarity. God speaks with certainty. And you can put your faith in it. You can put your trust in it. If God says it, like Carl said, it's going to happen. So this morning as we read from Psalm 92, we're going we're to read about where we are and what happens as a result of where we are. But not only that, you're going to hear a wonderful description when it comes to your future. Psalm 92 verse 12 through to verse 15, talking about you and I, David says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow, she shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. What a wonderful description. What a wonderful promise. Not a prediction, but a revelation, an absolute certainty. God is not saying you might flourish God, through his servant David, is saying you shall flourish as a result of being planted in a home, as a result of being planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. The Bible says through these verses, you will flourish, you will grow, and you will even be fresh in your old age. Old age is, is not this, you know, this future where life is diminishing, where we are regressing. Yes, our body may be getting weaker. Our body may be getting older. Our heads may be getting bolder and grayer. And life on the outside may be diminishing and it may seem as if we are regressing. But the word of God on the basis of this revelation says you will flourish, you will grow, and you will be fresh. All of those words are vibrant with life and it's all about your future, friends. It doesn't matter what this old decaying shell looks like. It doesn't matter if it's got aches and pains. The Bible regarding your future and my future said you will flourish, you will will be fresh and you will, what's the other one? Grow. You will grow as a result of being planted in the house of the Lord. Wonderful. That's why Helen at the back there often says, Yoo-hoo! Yoo! Come on, Helen! There you go. What's happening? The lady's flourishing. 
The lady's flourishing. The lady's growing. The lady is fresh. You see, woo, yeah. I'm telling you, man, I'm waiting for the day when she comes up to me and says, Dave, I've met my man. I'm ready to get married. I tell you what, she'd wear many a man out. Believe me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. We better not go there. Woo! Foxy lady. Or as my, as my daughter says, you know my daughter, they're, they're wonderful children, aren't they? They sing songs like this, right? This is the, this is the mixture of song of a child. Amazing grace, for instance. How sweet the whoopangaman style. Hey, sexually lady. They mix it all together. I love it. So you get the religious and the spiritual, the contemporary. You get it all in there. Sexy lady. They, they don't say sexy lady, right? They say sexy lady. Because they don't understand. But where am I? How am I going to get this back now? How on earth? Jesus, help me. Right? Help, 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 help. Fresh, 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 fresh. But you know what Helen will tell you herself? I'm not sure of her son's age when he died. Her son died. Her son died. And she was faced with an awful dilemma. Isn't that right, Helen? Sorrow. The bitterness of life. Her son dies. And suddenly inside her, the joy of the Lord rises up within her and becomes her strength. And the awful circumstance of death becomes a moment where she accesses a joy that's been continual for years now. Years. What is that? That's flourishing in the house of the Lord. That's growing in God's strength, even amidst the bitterness of life. That's, that's being fresh. I'm not saying she's old, but in your latter years, like we are, wonderful. Now, God uses many different ways from creation to instruct us and encourage us. And, and for us to be taught by. He uses creation as symbols, as analogies, as pictures to parallel our lives to. And that's what he does in Psalm 92. For instance, when he wants to teach us about wisdom and when he wants to instruct us uh, about working together and having tireless energy, in the book of Proverbs, God uses a creature and he says, consider the ant. I don't know if you've ever read that, but God actually takes our minds away from the big objects and and the magnificent mountains and he lowers our thinking down to a little minute creature like the ant and he instructs us from the ant. What is he doing? He's using something in his creation to teach us a lesson. God does this all the time. He says, consider the ant. There's something intrinsic in the nature of the ant that we can learn from. And God focuses the attention of his people to consider how the ant works and the diligence of that little creature. 
On another occasion, God used an eagle when speaking to Isaiah to encourage his people. He says, listen, you're going you're gonna to soar with wings as of eagles above the storm. You're going to use adversity for your advantage. It's not going you know, to bring you down this storm, but you're going to ascend above the storm. On another occasion, when a man was facing terrible impossibilities, Habakkuk, he said, Habakkuk, I'm going to make your feet like the feet of a deer. How strange. What was God doing? Well, God was telling Habakkuk and encouraging Habakkuk to understand the nature of the deer and what the deer could do. The deer of Habakkuk's day could climb and ascend up the craggy mountains that were unpassable. And God was saying to Habakkuk, I will give you feet like the deer so that you can move up the craggy cliffs of the circumstance that are trying to beset you and you will, dis- you will ascend over the impossibility and you will have hinds feet to move beyond the, in- the obstruction. On other occasions, God likened his word to seed. He was using an element in creation to liken his word to. He likens the Holy Spirit to a dove. He likens our heart to soil. The point being of all of this is this, that God uses creation. God uses things that he's created for us to learn from, for us to be encouraged by. And in Psalm 92, he likens us to the palm tree. He says, you're like a palm tree. The righteous are like a palm tree. Now, before we dismiss it, and before we, we treat it as an insult, before we, you know, discount this analogy and this symbol of the palm tree and our life being likened to it, let's understand what God's trying to say. Let's understand what God is trying to encourage us by in relating us and paralleling us to the palm tree. For the time we have left, I want to just consider some qualities that the palm tree has and why God is likening us to the palm tree because there are wonderful, amazing qualities that are intrinsic within this tree that the righteous have as a result of being planted in the house of the Lord. The first point being this, the palm tree will not Will, will bend but not break in a storm. A palm tree will bend but it will not break in a storm. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, some of the hurricanes on the news and you see forests being decimated, you see trees being uprooted, you see trunks being snapped and broken. But the palm tree, the palm tree stands in the wind. The palm tree stands bending almost to a horizontal base sometimes touching the ground that it's growing from under the midst of the pressure of the wind the palm tree bends but it does not break in the storm 
And there's a message there for us as God's people. There is a message of encouragement from this tree when we are going through the storms of life, when we are being, you know, pressured from every side, when difficulty and circumstance seems to be set in you. Yes, you may feel the effects of it. Yes, you may feel it bending your life over and causing you to to change direction and move to and fro in the winds that assail you. But you will only bend, you will not break. You will not break. Like the palm tree, you will bend under the storms and under the circumstances of life, but you will not break. As a result of your life being in Christ, the Bible tells us that our lives are hid with God in Christ. Paul says, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And because of this, circumstance can never break us. Circumstance can never defeat us because we are in Christ. And for circumstance to defeat you, It would have to defeat and overcome Christ. And that will never be. It really won't. The palm tree bends in the storm. But it doesn't break. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul tells us. Verse 8, he talks about the storm. He talks about how the storm causes him to toss to and fro and maybe bend like that palm tree. But he says we are unbroken by it. He says we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. That's a man speaking that was well aware of the pressures of life. Well aware of how life tries to squeeze you and how life tries to break you. But in the midst of it all, suddenly he's popping up all over the place and there's an unbreakable life inside of him, which is Christ. Secondly, the palm tree not only survives but flourishes in the desert. God likens you, the righteous, to a palm tree. And one of the amazing qualities about a palm tree is that it not only survives in a desert, in a dry, arid land, but it actually flourishes. It grows all the more. Why is that? Because its roots go way down deep beyond the burning, scorching sand the, the, the roots, the tap roots of that tree go way on down into the, into the underground streams and it draws up refreshment. Oh, I'm telling you now, church of God, whilst we may be in a dry land, whilst whales may not have the move of God as we would like to see it, I'm telling you now, we flourish even in a wilderness, even in a dry place, even in an arid land where there seems to be no water. Why? Because our roots go way on down into Christ. Like Paul said, we are rooted and grounded in love. If you look at the church in this land, right across the land, in one sense, on paper, it shouldn't be. It should have been stamped out long, a long time ago by secularism, by, by commercialism. And yet the, the roots of the church have always gone beyond the dry, arid landscape. The dry, arid spiritual landscape. And it goes down deep into Christ. That's why. That's why. 
you have a life inside you that defies the, the environment around you. The environment around you may be dry and dead and offering no hope. But we don't get our life from the environment around us. We get our life right from the life source, the river himself, Christ Jesus. And our roots draw up that life. You know, I was thinking about a story that, again, Bryn Jones told when he was a young evangelist. He was traveling as a young evangelist through a small town. There was about a thousand people in the town and they had a crusade, a tent crusade in the town. And they were going from door to door, just encouraging people to come to the crusade. And on this, on this one day, they'd gone from house to house and they were about to finish and they knocked one more door and an old lady answered the door. And he just began to recite his invitation. Listen, we're in, the, we're in the town. We've got a tent on the field. We just want to tell people about Jesus and about his wonderful grace and about his wonderful love. We'd like to invite you. And the lady smiles. And she was in her 80s. And Bryn Jones said that she had a beautiful, graceful demeanor. She invited them in. She said, boys, will you come in for a cup of tea? Now, there's nothing like a cup of tea from an old lady. You can never, never refuse an invitation from an old lady for giving you and offering you a cup of tea because you're going to get some biscuits and some cakes as well. And I'm sure they did. But they sat down with that old lady and she began to tell them that she had received Jesus as her savior as a young girl in Sunday school. And Bryn was amazed. Bryn was overjoyed. To, to, to meet this old lady that had so much experience, so much uh, history in knowing Jesus. And he began to, you know, inquire, tell me about your journey with Jesus. And she began to just tell him about those first few moments when she, or when Jesus found her and saved her. And then she began to talk about the love of her life, the man that she met as a, as a young teenager, and she began to tell him about how he loved Jesus too. And how they grew together in the church. And how they came together then to be married. And their life was wonderful. They had so many wonderful hopes for the future. And they settled. And within a year or two of being married, they had a little boy. And life was great. Life was abundant. And then she said, as the, the, the years went by, my, my, my little boy turned into a man. And we came, the country came onto hard times. The, se the Second World War began. My husband was called up to serve on foreign field. And my son was taken from me too. He was called up. And she began to reiterate this to Bryn Jones as a young man. She said they'd gone for a year. I prayed every day for their safety. I prayed every day for their protection. And then one day I received two letters in the post on the same day. And she said, I knew where they were from. And I held them with trepidation and fear. As I opened the first letter to see that my husband had been killed in action. And then to open the second letter. And read it to see that 
my only son that we had together, was taken and killed in action too. She said, I was completely devastated. What is that? That's a desert. That's a desert experience of life. Where all of your hopes and dreams and the love of your life is taken in a moment. And Bryn, completely shocked and astounded by what this lady was saying, said, Wow, you've lost everything. You've lost absolutely everything. And the lady smiled gracefully. And looked back over many years and said, not everything. Not everything. And then she began to tell them about the one who had stayed closer than a brother. The one who had been a husband and a son to her. The one who had never forsaken her or ever left her. None other than Jesus. Living in a desert, yes. Living in the midst of death, yes. But the tap roots going down from that woman's life, deep into Christ, drawing up the life and the, the waters of life necessary to keep her and sustain her in the midst of sorrow and darkness and misunderstanding. Flourishing Yes. In a desert, yes. Growing, yes. In a desert, yes. Being fresh into old age and being fruitful, yes. But in a desert, in a desert, defying all of the externals, it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be flourishing. You shouldn't be fruitful. You shouldn't be fresh. As a result of all of the circumstances and the losses that you have incurred on your life, you shouldn't be here. here. But a life hidden with God in Christ, a life living and moving and having its being, not in and of itself, but drawing from another life source. None other than our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. The palm tree not only survives, but it flourishes in the deserts of life. Let me ask you today, is life like a desert to you? Then send those tap roots down. Is life like a death experience to you? Send that taproot down. And the externals may not get better immediately. The externals may get more severe. The heat may be turned up. But you will be green. You will be evergreen in that deathly deserted place. The palm tree doesn't bend or break in a storm. The palm tree survives and flourishes in the desert. Also another... Another amazing quality about the palm tree that God likens the righteous to is that it can withstand abuse. The palm tree, a palm tree can withstand abuse. And one of the reasons for this is that the life of the palm tree is right at its center. 
many trees, the life source of the tree is on the outside. The sap comes up just a few inches around the trunk of the tree. And the life source of many trees are centered around the center. But the source of, the tr- of many trees is dead. But not the palm tree. The very heart of the palm tree is alive. The very center of the life of the palm tree is right at its core. And it draws up its sap right at its center. And therefore, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. It doesn't matter what cuts into its bark. It's unaffected. It's untouched. It's undamaged. No matter what the scars are on the outside, no matter what happens, because of its source at its center is full of life. It's never damaged. It's untouched. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is is renewed day by day. The righteous life can take any abuse. The righteous life can take the abuse of a cross. The righteous life can take the, the, the harrowing anger of a mob. The, the, the righteous life can take the whippings and the beatings of a Roman cohort. The righteous life can descend even into hell and be undaunted by it. Why? Because it's renewed day by day in its innermost being. The righteous life, Christ, even on the cross, can say, Father, forgive them, whilst all of the outer, all of the, all of the circumference of his life is all of hell is pressing in on him. He can say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why? Because the source of his life is alive from the inward. And our our inward man, as a result of receiving Jesus, is alive. We've been renewed. And whilst things on the outside may buffet us, whilst things on the outside may seem to scar us, We're renewed day by day somehow, supernaturally within. For the righteous, the righteous bear fruit. And one of the reasons why God likens us to the palm tree is this. The older the palm tree gets, the sweeter its fruit We don't get sour with age, friends. As a result of moving more into Jesus and as a result of receiving more from him and moving deeper into him, we should be getting sweeter, sweeter with the age, sweeter with the times. And that's a wonderful characteristic about the righteous life. We're not affected by the hurts and the pains and the scars that lacerate our lives sometimes. They cause a sweetness because we realize, as Paul realized in Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose, whether they be good things, whether they be bad things, they're all in the mix. And God has an ability, a, a divine ability to take the good, the bad, the ugly, and to make it all work together for our good, resulting in us being sweet. And not sour. 
with age, the palm tree produces a sweeter, sweeter fruit. Romans 8 verse 18, Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Paul didn't, you know, he he called them light afflictions. When you look at what that man went through, when you look at how life tried to just resist him and punish him on every point, those sufferings he saw as light afflictions because he saw the glory that would be revealed. Life made him sweeter. And that's why God likens us to this palm tree. Also, the palm tree cannot be removed or transplanted. Its place is permanent. You can't transplant a palm tree. You can't take it from one place and put it in another place. If you do that, it just dies. There's something about this tree that needs permanence. It needs planting. Its roots need to go down. And it cannot be transplanted. To transplant it is to destroy it. And it talks about a faithful endurance. A faithful, consistent nature. And that's what the righteous have. They have a faithfulness. Within their nature, they have a consistency. They have a strong character that's planted in the house of the Lord. And then finally, an amazing attribute of this tree is that the palm tree will not burn. It's evergreen. It's a perennial. Is that right? Green in all seasons. Is that what they call plants? That are green through every season. Perennials. Fantastic. Dale knows. Perennials. Your life. Your life. Is evergreen. Might not feel it. It might not look like it. But because God. Has called you righteous. You're the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Because God has called you righteous. You're ever green. You're ever growing. You're ever flourishing. You're ever fruitful. Just like this tree. Planted, planted in the house of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be planted in his house? Isn't it wonderful to come together and to know that our roots go down beyond the dryness of a desert. Even amidst the storm, we're unbroken because of his life within us. We've come to the close here now, but I want you to think about just about how he's blessed you, how he's called you, how his life lives and resides within you. Because he wants you to be encouraged. He talks about your future. He lays it there in front of you. Whether you're in a storm today. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But it's not going to break you.
It's not going to break you. It really isn't. Though it may be dark, you'll come through. It will not break you. You may be in a desert. You'll flourish there. Yes, it may be dry. Yes, it may be deathly. Yes, it may seem as if there is no other life or vegetation around you. But because you send your roots, your tap roots down into Christ, there will be a life residing in you that will defy, dis, uh, uh, that will defy all of the externals around you. Just like the palm tree. You may have had abuse from the left and from the right and comments from people that have been hurtful, that have been scarring. And it's, it's come on the outside and it's, it has hurt. It has set you back. But it's not going to take you out. Because right at your core, like that palm tree, there's life in Christ. There's peace that passes understanding. Guard in your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And also looking down into the future. The word of God tells us, listen, with all of the trials and with all of the troubles, and even as we move on down through time, we're not going to get sour. We're not going to regress. We're not going to go back. We're not going to get bitter. There's going to be a sweetness about your life. That circumstances, God will use circumstances and things to bring it all about. Sweeter fruit. And our placing here is a place where God has planted us, enabled us not to move. There's a permanency about our placement here in this house. We don't have to listen. We don't have to look beyond ourselves to find better people because God's placed the best here. And that's not to look at anybody, anybody else, but that's to look at where we are. The best is in our house here. Why? Why? Why can I say that confidently? I'll tell you why. Because God chose you and he doesn't make mistakes. You are the workmanship of God, God's masterpiece in Christ Jesus. And also, finally, the palm tree, as we've said, is evergreen. Its bark will never burn. You're never going back to that old destination, that old place where we've been brought from. You're saved. You're saved from a, an eternity of hell. From being damned. Your salvation is secure. I'm going to ask the musicians to come right now. Do you know it's interesting when you look at that? Just a final thought. It's interesting when you, when you look at that verse. About being planted in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Planted in the house of the Lord, flourishing in the courts of our God. Two different locations, two different places. Planted in God's house, but flourishing in the courts. Two different locations. What's that about? Well, 
The house of the Lord was the innermost place. When you look at it, at these references in the Old Testament, the house of the Lord was the innermost place, the place where only the priest could go. It was the holy of holies where God resides. That's where you're planted. You're planted there, but you don't flourish there. You know God there, you grow there, you gain a relationship, an intimate love with him there. That's where you're planted, in Christ. But you don't flourish there. There's no need to flourish there. You flourish in the outer court. What does the outer court represent in the Old Testament? It represents the world where anybody could go. Anybody could go into the outer court. Only the priests could go into the house of the Lord, the inner place. But anybody, Jew or Gentile, righteous or sinner alike, could go into the, ha- into, into the outer court. And you know what? There's a message here in this psalm that talks about being planted, being rooted together in a spiritual home. But also there's another message that there's a world out there that needs us to flourish in. There's a world out there that needs us to take healing to. There's a world out there that needs an encouraging word. There's a world out there that needs you. They need you. And as we've said before, there's invitations all around us. And we don't see people and the world about us as an interruption to be avoided. We see people and the world around us as an invitation to be embraced. An invitation to flourish before. An invitation to unpack peace and unpack all of the saving grace that we found in Jesus as we're rooted in his house. So the message today is twofold. How blessed we are to be planted in this place. But oh God, use us again in this land. Oh God, send us to those that need to hear his saving word, receive his saving love, and be ministered to by his healing hand. Let us, oh God, let's stand to our feet for a moment. Let us, oh God, be your hands, we pray. Let us, oh God, be your eyes. Let us be your mouthpiece, we pray. To those that are in our world around us that do not know you, that live without you, that have no hope or help. We want to flourish. We want to flourish in the lives of others. Now, while our eyes are closed, maybe today you don't know Jesus. The most important moment is right now. The greatest moment, the greatest moment is now. And today, in this moment, I want to give you just an opportunity. I'd like to pray with you. You say, Dave, I don't even know how to pray. That's all right. I want to help you. Are you here this morning and you want to pray To ask Jesus to be your Savior, to be your Lord, to be your friend. You want to be planted in God's house. You want to flourish. You want your life to change. You've tried to change it like all of us here, but you can't. Jesus can. Right now, while eyes are closed, if you'd like me to pray with you, I'm going to pray a short prayer. Lift your hand up. I'll see it. I see your hand, my love. That's it. Well done. There's one lady there. 
Give you a few moments. Lift your hand. I'm going to pray. The Bible says all of heaven. Yeah, there's another man there. Well done. That's it. All of heaven rejoices. Another person at the back there. All, yeah, young man there. Well done, mate. Well done. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 years of age. And I've never looked back. Well done, mate. Excellent. Excellent. Let's join together as a family and pray this with those who have just raised their hands to pray this prayer. Let's say this together. Jesus, I come to you today. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for saving me. For forgiving me. I believe that you're alive. That God raised you from the dead. And because of that, I can live in newness of life in you. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. Let's give him praise this morning. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. And we're just going to sing before we go.